Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Doing all right. Third time's it's the charm, huh? day again. Yeah. <laughs> this is our third time trying to start this one. We've realized twice that we missed something in our notes. But the third time, we promise, our notes are 100% perfect. But anyway, we are here today to talk to you. Last week was our big defense episode. Dad, this week is our big offense episode. We are reviewing uh, the end, pretty much our last piece of review, last real episode about the 2023-2024 season as we kind of close the book on that chapter of the Green Bay Packers. A fun chapter, to be sure. It's a chapter with its ups and downs, uh, but a lot of ups, especially for the offense, Dad, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And the big change as the season went on from where we were, um, you know, about getting getting up to the halfway mark or doesn't it feel like ugh. doesn't it feel like an eon ago when we were yelling about how this was maybe one of the worst coach teams we had ever seen in our life and like they could not do we, anything right. And that we had trouble um seeing a win anywhere. On the schedule, yeah. Did this like, team beat just, anybody? <laughs> it, it, I'm so thankful that it feels like forever ago that we lost like however many straight against uh, what was it? You went Lions, Raiders, Raiders Broncos, Broncos, Vikings. Yeah, four in a, that, those four in a row over five weeks was a really rough stretch. But Dad, we're not here to talk about a rough stretch. We're here to talk about the 2023 Green Bay Packers offense, which I think gives us all a lot of cause for optimism moving forward. And it was a really good offense this past year too. Not even just optimism moving forward. It's fun to look back on also. But before we talk about any of that, just wanted to pitch a couple of things. If you like what you hear today, come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. We tweet out when we have new episodes out, stats that we find interesting when we're doing research for these episodes, articles we find interesting from other Packers content creators, um, pieces of Packers news and notes, whether that's roster moves, coach moves, et cetera, et cetera. Free agency is coming up. We're also going to be super locked in on the draft. We'll be doing mock draft Mondays every single Monday, so keep an eye out on that. We love the draft. We'll be doing an episode a week still for the rest of the season, or sorry, rest of the offseason. And we'll be doing a lot of focus on the draft, specifically the draft from a Packers lens. So yeah, come give us a follow on Twitter and then come subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We even put all our episodes out on YouTube as well if you want to check us out there. Subscribe to us there. It would really help our numbers. But Dad, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's officially close the 2023 season on a high note, talking about the Packers offense, shall we? Yeah, because the Packers' offense was certainly on a high note through that whole second half of the season. Yeah, I think nothing but... And, and, know, and, the, and the numbers bared out. It's not numbers, just um, green and gold colored gla- um, glasses. That was a good one there. Uh, but yeah, and especially when you consider the context, so let's just get into it, of the fact that this was the cheapest offense in the league this year per spot track. Um, and that's with David Bakhtiari's contract included. So... Even if you include that, they were the cheapest offense in the league, and he only played one game. This is the youngest offense in the league, one of the youngest offenses of all time. I mean, you, you just look at it, and it's easy to get like a little too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I think it's definitely something to be optimistic about. And you talk about this being the cheapest offense. Overall in the season, they still ranked sixth by DVOA, fourth fourth by DVOA in passing, 15th by DVOA in rushing. They ranked fourth in EPA per play on offense, third in EPA per dropback, and 10th in EPA per rush. Then they ranked eighth by success rate, uh, third in EPA, or sorry, 10th by dropback success rate, and then ninth by rushing success rate. So any metric you want to look at, this was a top 10 offense pretty much, except for, you know, a little bit on the run side. But 
all of that with really minimal investment. I mean, we're talking, looking at the premium positions. I mean, talking, I mean, first year starter and Jordan Love looks awesome. We'll talk about him in a second. But left tackles, a seventh round pick on a sec- in his second year. You got only second year and first year receivers. You got only first year tight ends, really. You got a running back who missed most of the, your best running back missed almost the whole season. I mean, they really, they did something. They did a little something with this offense, huh, Dad? Yeah, the number of, I was just looking through just the number of players who are still in their rookie contracts who are starters or big time players for almost all of Green them. Green Bay. Pretty much almost all of them. The only ones that you got like Elton. Jones and Elton, yeah. Jones and, well, Bakhtiari, but only played one game. Yeah, and and that's it. Really? And I guess you could say uh, Love was not on his rookie deal since he signed that little two years. Yeah, it's not quite his rookie deal. But anyway, speaking of Jordan Love, we're going to go position by position here, Dad. And makes sense to start with the quarterback, right? And we talked about coming into this season, we talked about through the season, the only thing that matters is how Jordan Love plays and an evaluation of Jordan Love. And I would say... Stamp of success, stamp of success, 10 gold stars, uh, 100 out of 100. Uh, this season went as perfectly as you could hope if you were, like, for a Packers fan in terms of how like how we feel about Jordan Love now. I mean, if you told someone coming into the season that by the end of the year, he would be getting talked about in top 10 conversations already. Um, he would be, you know, on borderline top 10 list. I saw a list of like, you know, uh, power rankings for next year and the Packers were fourth, which we might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I'll take it. Um, but dad, I don't think there's any way you can look at it and not be incredibly excited about Jordan Love's future. And let's just start there. Yeah. Well, if you just look at the, how he finished the year, it wasn't just top 10. He was looking top five. Yeah. If you only look at the second half of the year, Almost all of his metrics are top five, which is crazy to think about. But if you're looking at his season on the whole, I mean, 4,159 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, and 11 picks in the regular season, so over 17 games. If you look at that compared to Aaron Rodgers' first season over a 17-game pace, so yes, he only played 16 games, but if you extrapolate it out, 17 games. Rodgers threw for more yards on a 17-game pace, 42-90, but fewer touchdowns, 30 touchdowns, and more picks, 14 picks. And then if you look at Brett Favre's first season as a full starter, uh, his second year in Green Bay, um, and you extrapolate that out to a 17-game pace, he was only at 3,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 25 picks. <laughs> so not great. And like looking at you know Jordan Love's numbers on a per-game basis, and this is over the whole season, mind you, given like that they started kind of rocky to be, or not the, the middle was kind of rocky. They started actually really well, but that does help. Game one, the Bears. game one looked really good. Helps to play the Bears, but anyway. Um, Per game, it's around 245 yards, two touchdowns, and a half a pick. Um, and then if you just look at some of the advanced numbers, this is per RBSDM, we cut off at 50% of quarterbacks, just uh, quarterbacks with 50% of dropbacks. Um, his .156 EPA per play was fifth in the league this year. His 47.6% dropback success rate was 13th. And his 1.1% completion percentage over expectation was 14th as well. And that's, you know including those weeks where the completion right. percentage over expectation was really bad for like a stretch there from like week three to week, like six, week seven or week right, two, we'll say week two to week seven. When we were looking at the Packers, you know, numbers, each of those like weeks three through eight in our pregame, it's like, Oh, well love's doing pretty well in his you know EPA per play, but that completion percentage over expected is looking a little rough. And, and so it's with 
to get up to 14th with kind yeah, of starting off he was to start um, the year. Kind of it just shows how behind. much he dominated the entire second half of the year. Like he was just kicking ass. Sorry about, you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, he w- but he was kicking ass. I'm, I'm kicking sorry. He was kicking ass. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> telling you how it is. Uh, PFF grades. I know like th- these numbers are for PFF just at least. Being honest. He was the, hey, you're going to get us copyright stricken if you're not careful. Um, he was the 11th highest graded quarterback per PFF in the regular season. He had 34 big time throws per PFF. That was the fifth most in the entire league this year. His big time throw rate was eighth at 5.6%. He had only had 17 turnover worthy plays. That was the 12th fewest and a turnover worthy play percentage of 2.6%, which was the 10th lowest. Um, average depth of target of nine yards was the third highest. So he was throwing it down, uh, down the field at a high clip. And then his 15.2% pressure to sack rate. So that's like essentially the, the rate at which pressures are converted to sack. That's like the amount, uh, that's like how you quantify essentially how well a quarterback is handling pressures. In my opinion, um, that was the seventh lowest. And that's, so those numbers are all just the regular season. And then he dominated the postseason as well. I know you would say like, okay, the, the Cowboys game was insane. That was like A++++. And what was it? Nick Wright, uh, I don't know if you know on um, First Things First on Fox Sports, I think it is, was uh, people were um, uh, making fun of him because he was like, that's the best playoff game a Packers quarterback has played in seven or eight years. And people were clowning him. I'm like, uh, he's right. Like that, like, how could it be? <laughs> that was that, but it's dominant. Both, it's not, and it's not even a shot at Rod. That's like, that's how good a game that was. He was essentially, if the Packers defense holds even a little bit, he would have stayed out of the game with a perfect passer rating, but they made him come back in and miss a pass. Um, that first game though was excellent. He was 16 of 21 for 272 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, the second game was not as good, but I will say I watched it back. There are three throws that I think he would want back. There's the one to craft. Um, that he misses that gets tipped up in the air and is intercepted. That should just be an incomplete pass, though. Like the fact that it, it became some bad luck an that his off-target throw got tipped into the defender's hands. Yes, but there it was, was an off-target throw. There was the miss to Jones, where you could argue. I would argue he would scramble, but what he said about the throw, I should. I would argue he oh, should have scrambled. That one. But what he yeah, said yeah, was it was more of a miscommunication because he expected Jones to stop and Jones kept going. So. That's two. And then the third is the last play of the game where it's like, okay, he's trying to make a play, but you can't do that. And he knows that. And we've seen him learn from his mistakes. And in that game, he was 21 of 34 for 194 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and also an additional 61 yards of pass interference yards if you want to throw those in as well. I'm just saying those guys, I'm, I'm going to count them because, you know, it, it would have been completed. They just tackled our guys like half the time. And, and, there were three and different it was, PIs. It was so obvious. I mean, what, some of them were like, you look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, he grabbed him because he had to. Yeah, because he was just beat. Because it would have right. been a touchdown otherwise. Yeah, and so just looking at his numbers only in the playoffs, these are also per RBSDM. This is um, amongst 14 quarterbacks who had at least 10 dropbacks in the playoffs. His .397 EPA per play in the playoffs was second amongst all quarterbacks to only Matthew Stafford. His 51.6% dropback success rate was fifth. His 4.2% completion percentage over expectation was fifth. And you could say, yeah, a lot of those numbers are bolstered by just dominating the Cowboys game and being, being, I would say, you know, average. I would say around average against the Niners. He definitely could have played better, but he also had some really good moments in that game. He had some throws in that game where I I had kind of forgotten them. I was like, damn. Yeah, when when I looked through that, just I remember looking through after the game, play by play, to look at his on-target throws. And, And even though afterwards you felt like it wasn't as good, he actually did not have that many that were off target. 
Yeah, I would say there's just a few plays in that game where you're like, can't have that one. But I, for the most, he also made some really awesome throws in that game. Um, if you look at some PFF grades, he was the seventh highest graded quarterback per PFF in the postseason amongst 14 quarterbacks. Uh, his three big time throws was seventh. His big time throw percentage was fifth. He had one turnover worthy play, which was the second fewest. And he took no sacks in the playoffs, despite being pressured 21 times, which That's I would say is very amazing. Impressive. That's kind of ridiculous, honestly. Is Especially it, is, in that San it... Francisco game, they were not blocking Javon Hargrave at all. Like in that game, they were not blocking Hargrave at all. And then Bosa also kind of had his way on that right tackle spot, once, especially once Tom went out. Um, but Deb, I think all I have to say about Jordan Love this season is he's the guy. I mean, the only thing I would see for me, so this is a question I have for you as well, is what do you want to see next year? Mine is I would like to see him scramble a little bit more, uh, create with his legs a little bit more. Not not like, I'm not talking designed runs. He did well on like some zone rekeepers, but I just think there are moments where he could break the pocket and run, like especially that Jones one. And you see guys like Mahomes do this a lot. You see guys like, and I'm not asking him to be Mahomes. That's a ridiculous like request. But EPA per scramble, like, Scrambles are incredibly valuable. They're more valuable than like a standard dropback even. Um, and he only scrambled once in the playoffs and only 22 times in the regular season, which was 16th. And I think, you know, he could amp that up if he wanted to. And I just think that that would be even more playmaking that he'd be able to do. Dad, what were your thoughts? Anything else you wanted to add on what Love did this season or anything that you are looking at going forward? Because I think we both like, he's the guy. You're gonna They're going to extend him this offseason. They're going to give him a lot yeah. of money and he earned it. He 100% earned it. Yeah, I felt like for the the scrambling that maybe he had been trying to rein it in a little bit and over and basically overcorrected, and now he needs to go back to you know when it's open, just take. It's it. all about finding a balance. Yeah, and you can see, and and you mentioned Mahomes. That's what he was doing in the in in the Super Bowl. Like, oh, I've got I've got yards. Just take those free yards, especially especially if you get the, you get a first down. Just take that first down. Yeah. Yep. Anything else you and, want to see from him going forward? Anything else about this past season? What would I like to see more than he did in the second half of the year? I'd just like to see him do it the whole year. That's true. Yeah, just do it. Just start strong next year and continue it the whole year. I think it's like all we want to see. But, I mean, he did – he was everything you wanted him to be this year and more, I would say, and a lot more. Like, a, a lot, lot, a lot more. Like, he was – he was – could you? Could anyone have thought he would have been this good this year? With keep in mind, like a pretty inexperienced offensive line, a very inexperienced receiver core, Aaron Jones missing almost all of the games, no running game really to speak of. I mean, the passing game pretty much carried because we talked about this is the, the year. thing before the season. It was like, oh, they're going to lean on the defense and, and the, the running, running game. game and the offensive line. <laughs> it's like, oh. You're not going to have your left tackle or your running back. The running game is going to be bad or bad to average for most of the year until the end of the year. The defense is going to be bad. Like, Jordan, you got this. Carry the team. And he did. He carried the team to the playoffs. Like, and they won a playoff game. And they almost beat On the, the road. They almost beat the Niners. Like, and, and the conversation, like, before the season was about and how. And they should have beat the Niners. Sorry, I had to add that. Sorry, go ahead. They, 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 yes, they, they had the game. They only needed to make like one or two plays go their way. But you feel like before the season, it was all like, can he just be as good as Rodgers was in 2022? Yeah. Oh, he was, and he was not, not, not even prime. And and uh, instead, he's like playing like a top three quarterback for the second half of the year. For the second half and, of the year. And, and now like, over the course ooh. of the year, was like was like a top 10 quarterback, even if you look at the like the whole season. 
right? So now we're looking forward to, you know, Jordan Love wrecking shop for the next 15 years for the Packers. I, Be- I would love to see it. I would king love to the, see king it. King of the NFC North until he rides off to MetLife New York Stadium. I was going to say <laughs> to the Jets. But anyway, we don't need to worry about that yet. That's a little ways down the line. But yeah, no, uh, there's nothing else I really feel the need to add on Jordan Love. We could just talk even more about, I feel like, like w- there's nothing else to say. He handled he handled every aspect of it too. On-field play um, in terms of, you know, avoiding negative plays for the most part, hitting a lot of big-time plays, staying in structure, creating out of structure, avoiding sacks, and then and then to the intangible. platform throws, arm angles, in the face of pressure. The it factor of like you watch him. You could like, I, and the games I forget about, like the game against the Saints in his first ever start at Lambeau. You take him back, come back from 17 down in the second half to win your first ever start at Lambeau. I mean, we should have known that, but the, the, just the it factor there. And also the intangibles. I mean, everyone talked about how he was like the leader of the team as the first year starting quarterback. That's not normal. Like, and then you watch him in interviews being the face of the franchise. He's nailing that part. I mean, what more could you want? Like, there's nothing else you could want. Um, but yeah, so Jordan Love, awesome. We love that guy, uh, pun intended. But anyway, Dad, anything else there? Or do you want to move on to... I, the only thing I have for the other court, quarterbacks, Sean Clifford, I mean, he looked pretty good in preseason and seems like a solid backup. Uh, that's pretty much all I got for that. Like, He had a little bit of mop-up duty in that Vikings game and a little bit of mop-up duty in the Cowboys game. And he looked fine, I guess, is my opinion on him. Anything else on Jordan Love you wanted to say, though? I just figured I'd get in the Clifford stuff, too. Yeah, there's just so little, there's so little you know, that we get to see of Clifford because Love was playing all the he time. Looked, he looked really good in preseason. So, I mean, that's what you want from a backup, I guess. So, it is what it is. Yeah, and I guess the other thing you want from a backup is to uh, do a good enough job for your um, defense to practice against. And then... Maybe, maybe that's why the defense was bad. <laughs> we're going to blame that on Clifford? Maybe. Uh, but no, yeah. Jordan Love, I mean, A-plus season. Everything you could have wanted. And you just want to see, essentially... It just makes you second, excited for the future. Just want, You just want to see... the Take that second half of the season and just keep doing that, whatever you were doing. Just And the only thing I'm going to say is, like... The, the one thing I want to say about Jordan Love is... I feel like when he tries to be too perfect with his mechanics is when he, like isn't as good just keep slinging that sucker i don't i don't care about mechanics mechanics for mechanics <laughs> like just throw just, it off uh, throw it off one foot throw it like throw it sidearm like i trust, don't trust throw your it, instincts throw it underhand just, i don't care like just do whatever whatever you were doing that second half of the year just keep doing that just and and it was like not great mechanics like off of one foot jump throw a like, lot of like jump throws falling backwards but i swear he's better when he's doing that than when he's like trying to actually so just whoever is also quarterback coach you know don't tinker just let him do his thing that's fine um just yeah exactly but anyway dad i think that's all we really had on quarterback uh but let's move on to running back um the packers this is pretty much the only place that they really spent much money um they were the 10th highest in full roster cash spending uh, at the running back position in the league um and let's start with aaron jones he played in 11 regular season games and two playoff games. Um, he did sustain a hamstring injury in week one that really lingered through the middle of the season. It kind of shows in his usage. Um, he essentially came back uh, against Detroit 
uh, after missing a couple of weeks with that hamstring injury, but only had five carries. He then missed another game and had a bye week before coming back against Denver and only had eight carries there and then a seven, only seven carries the next week against Minnesota. So essentially through eight weeks, he really was not healthy with that hamstring injury. He then suffered another injury in week 11, spraining his MCL against the Chargers, which caused him to miss an additional three games. So that ended up being the highest percentage of games missed in his career as he now enters his age 29 season. He just turned 29 during this past season. Yeah, and that that injury against the Chargers, the MCL, looked that looked scary when it happened. It looked much worse, yes. It looked much worse than it ended up being. Yeah, and so it is a bit concerning that he is, you know, 29 years old and had probably the least healthy season of his career, but he did close the season very healthy and strong. He averaged over 19 carries a game across the final four regular season games and two playoff games as A.J. Dillon dealt with injury. And he ended the season on a streak of five straight hundred yard rushing games. So, which may be a Packers record. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. It's definitely, I think, the most for him. Um, On the season, though, by far. Yeah. On the season, though, including playoff games, he had 182 carries for 875 yards, five touchdowns, and two fumbles. Um, So that's 67.3 yards per game. That was 10th in the NFL. And when I'm comparing running backs here, I'm looking at essentially. Uh, 59 running backs, a subset there of running backs with at least 20%, with at least 67 carries. And that was chosen because it was 20% of the league leader. Um, you know, 20% is a nice cutoff there. But anyway, 67.3 yards per game was the second highest of his career. It was the 10th in the NFL this season. Um, 4.8 yards per carry was eighth in the NFL amongst that same subset of running backs. It was, however, the third lowest of his career, but over those last six games, he did average five and a half yards per carry which was much more in line with his usual numbers. So it showed that like when he was 100%, he still got it. Um, he had 3.35 yards after contact per attempt on the season. These numbers are per PFF. That was sixth in the NFL, and then it was the second highest of his career. Uh, 0.2 missed tackles forced per attempt was 22nd in the NFL. 0.059 EPA per carry ranked fifth in the league amongst those same running backs. And then a 48.6% success rate was second in the league amongst those same running backs. So he was a very efficient running back this year and also had a good mix of explosive runs. Um, in the passing game, he had 34 receptions on 47 targets for 254 yards and a receiving touchdown. 19 and a half receiving yards per game was the lowest in the last five years of his career, but it was still 17th in the NFL. And he still had 5.4 yards per target, which is around average for his career. So it just mostly showed he was not getting used in the passing game as much as he had previously. He was 31st in the league, still in yards per target. And then he easily and easily by every metric you look at had the best playoffs of his career. Um, So dad, I think my takeaway from Aaron Jones this season was when he was out there, he looked like Aaron Jones. The only concern is, is missing this many games, a like bad omen for going forward. He's going to miss games or is it going to make him slow down? What do you think about Aaron Jones this year? What do you think? Are you concerned at all with the games missed? What are your thoughts? So I think we can say that the injuries he had this year did not slow him down. Because when he came back, he looked as good as he has. Maybe had the best stretch of play of his entire career. Looked very explosive, big runs, making important plays, um, finding the the hole in the in the line to to run through. Still got up he to like looked, I think almost twenty miles an hour on that run against San Francisco. So oh, still he some, had okay. still some top end speed. It was like nineteen point seven, I think, if I remember correctly, something around there per next gen stats, and. 
the, the only other thing I would say is that I forgot to add is like, was that massively awesome stretch of play because he didn't have to play as much he, in the he had all that rest and for a lot of the year. And so he was, he was fresh. His legs were fresh for the playoffs, Yeah, which should make, you know, make you think for next well, year. I, I hate to break it to people who are always like Matt LaFleur goes away from Aaron Jones. This season is a data point that he might look at and be like, Hey, we're going to limit his okay. carries even more next year. Joe's like, just going to put you in bubble wrap open, I mean, open to Christmas. And I just want people to remember that next year when Jones like only has 10 carries in week two against whoever those games are not as important as the games later in the year. And we saw what happened this year. He looked freaking awesome in the best playoffs of his career by a lot. Previously, honestly, Aaron Jones, I looked his, his playoff games were playoff pretty games, disappointing. They've been kind of rough fumbles. And, and, and not poor and yards not per play. carry, not as explosive. And even against the Niners in the second half, he wasn't great except for that one run. But still, by far the best playoffs of his career. And it does help that he was playing the Cowboys, and he's a Cowboy killer. Whose number he has oh my on goodness. speed dial. They are so tired of him, I bet, because he just won't stop. He will not stop beating up on them. But yeah, Dad, anything else you wanted to touch on with Aaron Jones? I just think it's he's just fun to watch, you know, because oh, yeah. of, because of his ability to, to to make something more than what's there. He's getting yeah. more than what's blocked for him. Oh, a hundred percent. And also, you know, everyone talks about him as being like the leader in the locker room, the like life force of the team, the heartbeat of the team. And I think if you asked me like this past offseason, if I thought Jones was going to be back next year, and we'll talk about this later, I would have said, eh, probably not. He's coming. They need him back. They need him back desperately. And yeah, we're going to talk about even, that in a bit. Goodhoods may even said something about him. He's being back next year. Yeah. Um, but speaking of players who, you know, did not do, I would say you could tell how different the run game, like you were saying, was with Aaron Jones out there. Dylan had a tougher year on the ground. Um, he played in 15 regular season games. Um, however, just, you know, the final two that he played, he was in a very limited role due to injury and played a, like a, only a handful of snaps in each of the last two games he played. He had a broken thumb against the giants, which caused him to mix, miss the next game and then sustained a stinger against Minnesota that knocked him out the rest of the year. Pretty much. Um, overall he had 178 carries for 613 yards, two touchdowns and no fumbles on the year, 40.8 yards per game. That was 38th in the NFL amongst that same set of running backs that we talked about earlier, uh, fifty amongst 59 running backs. That was 30th in the NFL. It was the lowest yards per game since his rookie season for him. 3.44 yards per carry is really rough. It was 53rd yeah. amongst those 59 running backs. By far the lowest career of his career. And in only four of 15 games did he average over four yards per carry. Um, so... Not a good season for Dylan in terms of yards per carry. 2.69 yards after contact per attempt on the season was 42nd amongst those same running backs. So still below average. Also by far the lowest of his career. 0.18 missed tackles force per attempt was 56th amongst those 59 running backs. Negative 0.136 EPA per carry ranked 40, uh, ranked 42nd amongst 59 qualifying running backs. And his 34.3% success rate was also 50th in the league amongst 59 qualifying running backs. Pretty much by any metric you look at with him on the ground, 
He was one of the worst running backs in the league this year. And part of it has to do with the fact that the Packers running game was not very good. But is it a chicken or the egg thing, Dad? I mean, was it not good because the line wasn't good? And so Dylan struggled. I mean, when we looked, when Jones came back, the running game suddenly came to life. So I feel like it's hard to say that it was just the offensive line. I think, you know, this was easily Dylan's worst year by most metrics. And he was a bottom 15, bottom 20, bottom 10 running back in a lot of statistics. Um, receiving wise, he did, you know, contribute 22 receptions on 27 targets for 223 yards, 14.9 receiving yards per game and 8.25 res- uh, yards per target. That actually that 8.25 yards per target was fifth in the NFL amongst running backs. Um, and it's also in line with, you know, his career numbers, but they used him a little more in the passing game and he caught 22 of 27 targets, which is really awesome. But you just yeah. needed more on the ground from him this year. And, and he was really he was really bad on the ground. 3.44 yards per carry is really bad. Yeah, I feel like the beginning of the year, the line hadn't really gotten it together somehow, though he wasn't necessarily hitting the right spots, but there weren't, there weren't holes for them for him either. But that's the thing that Jones can do something when it's not really blocked well. I do feel like it's, they tried to get it, him the... the go ahead, I think they're throwing the ball more because the line is having so much trouble opening up holes. It's like, yeah. hey, let's, let's let's give you the ball on a screen or somewhere so you can get some space yeah. to do something. The run blocking was not very good this year on the season. And I th- but like you said, Jones just did more with it. And then for every one of those, like I'm thinking about, you know, I don't want to like just nitpick specific plays, but I'm just thinking about the AJ Dillon play against the Falcons where he has the hole open and he just falls down like a yard short. He and slips. Just trips. He just slips. Yeah, he just, uh, and then I'm thinking this is about... The thing, yeah, go ahead. That I, and I remember thinking about that the year about just his running style. I don't think well, he gets just, his feet up off the ground like kind of slide steps, and so I, he gets those little trip mm-hmm. ups. He doesn't. He does not get his legs up. He doesn't run with high knees, and that was something that he talked about. I think he was responding to a troll on Twitter, but he was saying like he's been working on me. that. Uh, I know, right? Not not one of my many burners. Um, but he was talking about how he's been working on that, but we didn't really see the the like the fruit of those like efforts this season. And, you know, it's just shocking to me. Like Andy Herman talked about this. It's like when he gets to the second level, which unfortunately he doesn't very often, even when he gets there, he never makes a guy miss. When he runs a guy over, he goes down with them. Usually he's pretty good at carrying a pile like that. That would, I would say he is good at, like if he can keep his feet, he's pretty good at carrying guys, but he doesn't keep his feet enough. There's nothing that he, he doesn't have a go-to thing is what Andy Herman was saying. And I totally agree with when he gets to the second level and has a smaller guy and to turn like a seven yard run into like a 15 yard run, 17 yard run. And I just think, you know, AJ Dillon, the person is awesome. You know, mayor of Door County. I think they we'll talk about it later, but if they wanted to bring him back and it was a reasonable deal, I would understand it. But I like I honestly was expecting the numbers to not be this bad. I mean, he's bottom 10 to bottom 15, bottom 20 in almost every metric. And like the, 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 if he's been that bad, I just don't see a, a reason to bring him back. I don't know I I, I was because I was coming in this and I was like, oh, he'll be about like an average running back. He'll be like 30th in most of these. But it yes. was much worse than I expected. Most of like bottom bottom quarter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's not good. Um other running backs the Packers had this year. Anything else you wanted to say on Dylan? No, I think it just has not quite been what they hoped he would be. Yeah, 
when they drafted I think him. When they drafted him, they expected him to be this bruiser who I ran think people they were over. For a little, mar- little beast mode. Or or Derrick Henry. Or Derrick Henry. He just doesn't have the same... I don't even know what it is. It's like he doesn't have the same contact balance, I guess, is what I would say. Like, he I just... think that's one of the things. I think his contact balance isn't quite good enough. So that when he runs into somebody and knocks them over... He goes down with them he, almost every he time. Right. He, he also falls down. Yeah. Other running backs the Packers had this year, Emmanuel Wilson, he played in nine games, 26 carries for 121 yards, 4.7 yards per carries. Yeah, pretty solid. 1.69 yards after contact per attempt was the worst of the running backs on the team, though. Um, 0.12 missed tackles force per attempt was the worst of the running backs on the team. Negative uh, 0.235 EPA per carry isn't great, and a 25% success rate also is not great. He had five catches on six targets for 34 yards. Um, I thought he showed good open field, you know, burst and able ability to turn the corner, but the numbers are showing that he needs to find a way to beat a tackler is the main thing that he needs to work on in the off season. If he wants like a role on the team going forward. Yeah. I think he's, um, was struggling to get through the line at the start. Yeah. Um, and so if he did, if he didn't get through there, you know, too often he didn't get through there. If he got yeah. through there, he did okay. But if he, that, that initial, um, contact it's kind of the usually the play was over yeah Patrick Taylor then the last of the running backs that really played a significant number of snaps for the Packers played in 13 games for Green Bay 35 carries for 147 yards 4.2 yards per carry 2.89 yards after contact per attempt is you know solid 0.26 missed tackles force per attempt was actually the best of the running backs on the team um, negative 0.147 pay per carry though, and just a 37.1% success rate. Um, just so you know, the first half of those were from PFF and the second half were from RBSDM, just so you know. Uh, and then NFL fast R as well. 11 catches on 17 targets for 49 yards, just 2.88 yards per target is, is not great. Um, I thought he played fine. Uh, they seemed hesitant to actually give him carries though. They kept bringing in guys and like James or uh, Kenyon Drake for a game and then James Robinson for a game and, and then Emmanuel Wilson at the end, and I was like, okay. So and then, you guys and then Wilson got like... hurt. It's like, okay, can we get him back onto the team again after he went with the Patriots? You mean Patrick Taylor did? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I I don't – The other thing I'd say that, that you did see them do, um, third down, you know, passing situations, hurry up. They had him in there instead of Dylan. That was only really like, one game, like, though. While, while, while Jones was out, was Jones was gone, was missing games. Yeah, I remember that. It was really only I can't. I'm having trouble remembering which game it was, but I remember that it was. It happened, and we we're like, "Oh, like, are they gonna like? Is that gonna be something they're gonna do?" Going, nope. They kind of just did it for a game and then stopped doing it. But I, I thought that also was fine. Yeah, and I think they trusted his uh, um, pass, pass protection. Pro. Yeah, but then suddenly they didn't and like stop playing him i don't know it was kind of odd I, I his usage was weird this year i thought they were going to use him more but dad that's kind of it for the running backs anything else you wanted to add on there or do you want to move on to the tight ends um no i don't think we need to really add anything on it i expect we're going to see some change in the running back room i think it's definitely a need for the team 100 percent time need. they're gonna gonna i don't think there's any point in signing a free agent no there never is <laughs> I mean, I I'm, I'm telling you, it never is. Draft one or two. Yeah, I, I think so, 100%. Um, and we'll talk about that at the end when we talk about players that we think are coming back or players that we think are leaving. But, Dad, do you want to move on to the tight ends? Sure, let's move on to tight ends. Um, this is another kind of bargain uh, group. 23rd in the league in uh, cash spending for the year on tight ends. 
I'll start with uh, not not the player we would have started with halfway through the year, but I'm starting with Tucker Craft. Okay, and he he led he actually led the group in snaps. So go using that 723 snaps. He had a little bit of pass blocking, 45 pass blocking snaps, and 326 run blocking snaps. He caught 36 of his 48 targets, so 75 percent for 379 yards and only two drops. If you look like from week 13 to week 18, mm-hmm. uh, his PFF grade was 17 points higher than weeks one through 12, showing how much he improved. It's funny during during the season because I've seen a ton of different people on Twitter, like film breakdown people, being like Tucker Craft. The first five weeks had no idea what he was doing out there. Right, like, he was just running around out there. He he was the Invisible Man. It's like, oh man, I guess we lost. You know, third, third round, round pick can take down the drain. And then after Musgrave got got hurt, um, then Kraft came in, and all of a sudden he he was doing everything. Kraft doing came all the in, stuff, and all stuff like, that. Go ahead. We Sorry. thought he could do that. Musgrave couldn't, in terms of uh, you Running know, in a straight line without falling <laughs> over. <laughs> no and, offense, and knocking Musgrave, people over right. and staying on his feet. Um, for the season, he ran around on eighty four point six percent of his pass plays. He tied for the league lead in yards after catch per reception uh, in the regular season with David and Joku at seven point five yards. Um, Let's go with Tucker. I mean, that's a skill set he has. Like watching him play, I was like, that's the thing, like you were saying, like, and he he himself said that I think watching the tape at the beginning of the year, he was like embarrassed because it was so bad. And yeah, I think coaches talked about how stunned they were that he was able to improve this much over the course of one season. I mean, right, because you should say say it takes like a couple couple years. And but this was something that we both talked about looking at his tape. In college, like, oh, this guy could be a, a yak monster. Yeah. He'd run over people and, and staying on his feet. Um, in the regular season, he was fourth in the league among tight ends and passer rating when targeted. Um, he was also, in, in the regular season, third in the league in DVOA among tight ends with at least 30 targets, um, behind only George Kittle and Isaiah Likely. He kind of had an intermediate or, or low average depth of target, so he wasn't being th- thrown downfield so much, only 4.9. Interestingly, he and Musgrave tied with 10.5 yards per reception hmm. for 14th the in the league among tight ends right. with at least 30 targets. There are 40, the 43 qualifiers, but in different ways. Yeah, um, no, very different ways. Very, very I, different players. I don't think you could have two players that are more different, to be honest. Yeah, and in terms of where he was lining up, he is had his highest usage in line at sixty six percent, then slot at about twenty four percent, and out wide at ten percent. Of the tight ends on the team, he was the best pass blocker of the group by PFF grade with mm-hmm. a seventy point three, which put him at twenty first of the seventy one tight ends with at least fifteen pass blocking um, reps. Okay, so top third. He did, however have the lowest run-blocking grade of the uh, Packer tight ends really? at 48.7. That's kind of surprising. I was expecting not that all the, Not that any of them were, were really great. They, the other ones were all still in, only in the upper 50s. Okay. But, but he was the worst of the lot. That's So none of them were great, and he was the worst of a middling to poor group of, of run-blocking tight ends. Then moving on to the other thing, what do you want to say about Kraft? Yeah, I oh, just oh. think Kraft, you know... He's a guy. Now here's a guy. I'm doing the Chris Collins again, but he's a guy who I think we were 
what's the word I'm looking for? We were excited about him and then nervous about him and then excited about him again. It, it was kind of an interesting, you know, up and down for him because and it got to the point where I was like, ooh, I was like, it's like maybe this just isn't the year for Tucker Craft. And then by like week 12, I was like, uh, Tucker Craft might be better than Luke Musgrave. Like he might be the tight end one on this team. And now I'm just like, okay, we're just going to run a lot of two tight end stuff because that sounds fun. Um, I mean, it's just an embarrassment of riches in terms of like weapons on this team. We're going to talk about the receivers later. The rookie pass catchers hit on this year's draft is kind of insane. Do you think this is blind luck? Or do you think this is replicable? Like, is this something where people are going to be like, obviously if, not replicable? Doesn't matter if, how good you are at it. You don't think so? Where it's no, like, you're not. You're not. Had, you're not getting whatever think, four, four, five, four to four pass catchers all being. I'm not really talking high about efficiency hitting all um, of them. I'm talking about like if you have a bunch of rookies together, are they all going to peak at the end of the year? I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just, you know, I mean, they, they were thrown into the fire and had to uh, get yeah. more reps and, and on they, field. And they work. looked like they were thrown into the fire for about five or six weeks. I mean, we had guys just running the wrong so, routes so, for seven weeks there for a so I thought you point. meant, yeah, I thought you meant was the drafting part of it replicable as opposed to the, no, no, you let them not. all play a lot in the yeah. um, first half of the year replicable. No, I meant, the, I meant to let them all like, is that a, is that a thing that you think other teams might try and do? I don't know. Um, but no, I didn't have anything else on craft. I'm guessing you're going to Musgrave second, unless you're really yep. spinning something up here and going to Sims <laughs> and then Musgrave for some reason. Just, I just, I decided to go, go chalk here. Musgrave. So he started off like looking, even in the preseason, looking really good. It's like this really fast. He moves great. He had 502 snaps, um, about a third of them as a blocker rather than going out on a route. He did miss six games with a lacerated kidney, which yuck. Okay, dad, I'm going to, he missed only six games with a lacerated kidney is what I'm going to say. (laughs) It was true that when that first half was like, oh, he could be out for the year. This is like what happened to um, Keenan Allen. Oh, Keenan Allen. Where I don't know if it happened the same way, but at first I remember hearing yeah. it was like. Although I think Witten's might have been a spleen, if I remember correctly. Now, actually, but anyway, lacerated organ does not sound fun. No, thank you. No, when you're having like internal hemorrhaging, you're that's not a good blood. thing. That's not good. But anyway, nope. continue with Luke Musgrave. So he caught forty of his fifty-two targets, so about seventy-seven percent for four hundred eighteen yards. He was seventh in the league among tight ends and passer rating when targeted in the regular in, for this. Regular season plus the postseason. It was um, regular season only. He was only 15th out of. Uh, That's what happens when they call Y leak and you're wide open for like a 70 yep. yard touchdown. <laughs> he he ran a route on almost 89% of his passing snaps. He mostly, he, he if you compare him to Kraft, he lined up a little bit more in the slot and a little less in line. And Which is kind he of more what we expected for him coming yeah. out. And he was more of a downfield threat than Kraft with an average depth of target of 7.4 compared to Kraft's 4.9. Mm-hmm. And um, Musgrave was 15th in the league among tight ends with at least 30 targets in in that depth of target. Yeah, and I think that's kind of how you like to see him being used going forward because I saw Musgrave, you know, take that little, like, like you know, tight end come across the formation and get the dump off. And he did nicely a couple of times to, like, turn that upfield and beat the guy to the edge. 
but he just doesn't have the same tackle breaking ability that Kraft does with the ball. He doesn't have the same run after catch ability that Kraft does with the ball in his hands. So I would love to see, you know, Kraft on those little tight end screens that they hit him on a couple times. I think he had a touchdown there against Tampa. Um, hurdling people, hurdling people, yeah. running with like getting yeah. little dump offs and running with the ball. Like any, the thing that they run to Kittle all the time for at, San Francisco, at, where at, he just, uh, where he just comes across the line and like pretends to block the edge and then just slips out. They dump it off on a rollout and he just runs and runs and runs and breaks three tackles and gets like 20, 30 yards. And then Musgrave, I mean, I saw Musgrave beat Derwin James on a no frills out route, like a regular receiver at whatever the hell, six, seven, like 250 he is. And I was like, yeah, he can play. That was pretty cool. And I think that actually was the play that he burst his kidney on. But anyway, sorry. To oh, continue. right. He fell on the sideline. But and then he had the, the plays up the middle of the seam when he's, you know, yeah. running th- through the defense, getting up, op- getting open. It's funny that the first the and he the main thing with Musgrave is he needs to work on his contact balance and I think it's kind of a funny like the team knows it too because you know first play of the year or not first play of the year but his really his first play of the year against the Bears where Jordan Love like the ball bounces off the ground and then they hit Musgrave way on the left sideline and he falls over because he he's too open and then they hit it against the Cowboys on the right side and he stands up and after the game like. Uh, the what was whole it? Locker room was like, like applauding him. Yeah. It was like Musgrave didn't follow. We kept his feet, and then they're like, "Yeah!" And it's like, it's like the whole team knows. It's like he's kind of runs like Bambi out there, but no, but he's a good, he's a good player. Yeah. So I think they have speed, size, tight ends can attack different parts of the field, and they have different skill sets, and they can have them both out there at once. Yeah. No, and I'm excited, excited to see them both out there at once. I don't know how they're going to get all these guys. And when we talk about the this receivers, the thing. we've got exciting ones. receivers. Like, and can we, we play with one fewer linemen? Or I don't even know. Like, can we add another <laughs> uh, guy? On the Love I might think, have something to say about that. Let's, let's petition for 12 players on each side of the football. I think that'd be fun. Um, but, Dad, you want to wrap it up really quick with Sims and I'm guessing DeGuar were just what you got for them, and then we'll move on to receivers. Yeah, so Sims, he, he was third most in snaps, 212. He only – had, was targeted six times. It caught five of six for 25 yards. He only ran a route on 69% of his pass play, so significantly lower route participation from him than uh, Musgrave or Kraft. He was mostly an inline tight end, 92%, so way above Kraft in, like, in the 60s and Musgrave in the 50s. And he was the second best pass block of the group at 68.7 PFF grade, the 23rd in the league. So there's not too much. I think they're trying to groom him to try to be their their blocking tight end mm-hmm. um, going forward. We'll see how well he, he's not like a huge guy like um, Mercedes was. So I don't know if if they're going to want to add somebody or not. And then finally, well, I guess to Deguara, who had the same number of snaps, 212, 15 pass blocking, he had 117 run blocking, um, caught all eight of his targets for 65 yards. And ran around on 80% of his passing snaps, so significantly more than Sims. He had a very poor pass blocking grade, though, by PFF. 29. Dead last in the league. Oh, dead last in the league. Amongst all tight ends with at least 15 reps. He was last in in pass blocking grade. Um, So I don't have much more to say about about him. It seems like his usage was going down as the season went on. Yeah, and And, we'll talk about him at the end. He's a free agent. I, I don't really see them bringing him back. I think... You know, it just, he hasn't been as, I think, what they wanted him to be when they brought him in. I think it's fair to say, right? Yeah. And then you have Tyler Davis, who tore his ACL the preseason opener and missed the year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think still really excited for the tight end. Even Sims, I think, flashed some stuff. I saw him 
plant a guy on the ground like with a stiff arm earlier in the year. That was sick. And he, uh, you know, he's, he seems like a decent player, and I think he's a very solid third tight end. Um, but, Daddy, you ready to move on to receivers? Yeah, let's go into those receivers because we've got a lot of exciting uh, players there too, I think. I know. I mean, we've got a lot of exciting a lot of exciting players all over the offense. Um, but let's start with Christian Watson. Uh, he played in 11 games for Green Bay this year, nine regular season games and two playoff games. He dealt with hamstring injuries pretty much the whole season. Uh, caused him to miss uh, both the th- first three games of the year as well as the final five games of the regular season. And he actually said he's reaching out to various specialists um, to talk about you know how to avoid those going forward because they hampered him last year as well. Um, uh, also made him severely limited in playoff games. So keep in mind when I'm talking about these stats that are playoff and regular season. Um, in the playoffs, he only played about 49% of snaps in the playoffs, whereas in the regular season, he was at around 80% of snaps. So he was really, I think, just trying to tough it out um, in those playoff games. And, or be a decoy. Or be a decoy, because he only had three targets, like two catches, I think. Um, but overall, on the season, he had 30 catches for 56 targets, uh, 30, 30 catches on 56 targets for 442 yards and five touchdowns. Um, the comparisons I'm making are amongst 96 receivers with at least 40 targets. That's 20% of the max targets on the year. A 53.6% completion rate when targeted was 90th of 96. Uh, that, you know, can kind of just think back to all those deep shots we missed earlier in the season when he was playing. Uh, I'm sure you all remember those. Uh, 40.2 yards per game was 55th amongst those 96 receivers. 7.9 yards per target was 57th. 1.48 yards per route run was 56th. 4.1 yards after catch per reception was 48th. A 6.3% drop rate was 51st. 0.006 EPA per target was second lowest on the team, on the Packers, that is, this year. And then a 48.2% success rate. So overall, you look at all those stats, they kind of composite out to around, you know, 50th of 90. So kind of 50th of 96. So kind of, you know, an average receiver on the year. But I do think that the eye test for me was a bit different. When I watched him against, say, the Chiefs, or I watched him against the Lions in the second game, it did seem they were trying to get him to be the go-to guy when he was healthy. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah. I mean, those, those healthy games, he looked really, really good. And then he, just his hamstring got pulled, at, you know, while he was running after the catch. Yeah. And it looked like it was while he was just trying to go down to slide. I mean, you look at those games where he was healthy and I hate to, you know, belabor the point and, you know, make arbitrary cutoffs, but, you know, he had that game, the game against um, Detroit, you know, seven targets, five catches, 94 yards. Game against Kansas City, nine catches, seven targets, 71 yards, and two touchdowns. And he had a touchdown against Detroit as well. Both those games are high, like 80 grades for PFF. So they thought he played an awesome game. And then he gets injured at the end of that Chiefs game, and he really never gets healthy again after that. So he was just kind of really hitting his stride on the season. He was being their go-to receiver at that point. He was getting most of the snaps and then, it just uh, it just kind of got cut off right there as he was, I think, really hitting a stride there. So it was tough, but I do think, you know, I'm interested to see what happens this next year. They're getting a new strength and conditioning coordinator. We have not heard, you know, sorry, strength and conditioning coach. We've not heard who that's going to be yet, but does you do wonder about like all the hamstring injuries they had this year and whether or not they thought that that was handled correctly. And, you know, maybe that could help Watson stay healthy next year. You never know. Um, but yeah, so that's for him. Uh, anything you want to add there? Or should we move on to Romeo Dobbs? Well, I sure hope he can get healthy and play up to his potential because when he's playing well and healthy, the offense the is much whole, better. The whole offense looks so good. Yeah, so much better. Both this year and his rookie year. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100% agreed. And I mean, it just sucks because I, I see people online like like blaming him and like, y'all are clowns. Like, leave that man alone. He it's wants to be like, healthy. Like, what are we doing here? There's always somebody out there who wants to do some kind of character assassination because somebody is hurt and can't play. Yeah. It's, it has it's, to be some kind of personality flaw because somebody's injured. Yeah. And, and they're just as frustrated just as like take everyone it, else just is. take it at face value. Yeah, he's hurt. He's hurt. That's why he can't do That's why he can't play. what he wants to do. He wants to play. He just can't. Um, Romeo Dobbs, though, he played in all 19 games for the Packers this season. Over those games, he had 69 receptions on 105 targets for 908 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, I'm again comparing him to those 96 receivers with at least 40 targets. He had the, he had the seventh most receiving touchdowns in the league this year, which is kind of a fun number with those nine. Uh, 65.7% completion rate when targeted was 44th. 47.8 yards per game was 45th. 8.65 yards per target was 41st. 1.64 yards per route run was 45th. 3.1 yards after catch per reception was 79th. 6.8% drop rate was 56th. And then he had 0.446 EPA per target. That's a really high number and mostly because of all those touchdowns. And then a 55.6% success rate. Um, Dad, this was a guy where, you know, you composite all those numbers out. He's around like, you know, 40th, 43rd, you know, again, like kind of like an average to a slightly above average receiver. And that's kind of how we were feeling about him. We were like, hey, you know, maybe he's the fourth receiver on this team. And, you know, he's a really good fourth receiver. That feels great. And then Romeo Dobbs came into the came into the playoffs like a man on a mission. I mean, he was PFF's highest graded wide receiver in the playoffs. He dominated in the Cowboys game. He was easily their best receiver against San Francisco as well. I mean, he showed a gear that I did not know he had in terms of like running with oh, the ball that against Dallas. The, what, the I was right like, side? Is, yeah, against the right side. He's like pulling away from people easily. And I'm like, okay, all right. And it made me kind of rethink like the depth chart in my head. I was like, I was like, okay. So we have two tight ends. We feel like we have to play. We got Watson when the, where the offense is much better when he plays. We got Jaden Reed, who we'll talk about in a little bit, who's, you know, was great as a rookie. He was one of the best Packers rookie receivers ever. You got Dontavian Wicks, who we'll talk about later. We got, and then we got Romeo Dobbs, who was the best receiver in the playoffs. How are we going to get these guys on the field? I have no idea, but it's a good problem to have, Dad. What did you feel about Romeo Dobbs this year? Yeah, so I was, as the year went on, I was having him fall down my depth chart, my depth chart behind Reed. Behind Wicks is Wicks are playing more. It's like this guy is like leading the league. It's like gotta be as on a, the field as man. a rookie in like yards of separation per route run. But then you know playoffs come around and Dobbs is the best receiver on the field. Yeah, yeah, for either team really, for, right? For like, either team, like they couldn't guard him. He was just, I mean, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, he gave him fits. He gave Stephon Gilmore for the Cowboys fits that entire game, and like he looked pretty good against the Niners too. And like, you know, at times the offense was stalling and they were having trouble, you know, make, like getting completions. So I don't really know what to make of it. Cause in the regular season, I would say, Hey, like, you know, he's dropping some passes, you know, to be at the, you know, low, like kind of lower, like half of the league and dropping passes, you know, to be like, you know, cause I'm just thinking about, you know, the crosser against the lions where he misses, drops that slant on a big third down, has some other big drops, but you know, he also had some really awesome, some really big plays and, you know, was kind of Jordan loves go-to guy in the red zone. I mean, at the goal line, anytime he needed to throw a fade to a receiver, it was almost always Dobbs and Dobbs, you know, to his credit came down with it more often than he didn't when those like balls were being thrown to him in the red zone in the end zone. Yeah. And one thing you could see this year compared to his rookie year, so his rookie year, he only caught 
one of every three contested catches. Um, five out of 15 opportunities. And this year, he was over 50%. Hey, we're mo- that's that's a nice pull. I like that. I didn't actually have that one in my notes. That's a good pull there. But hey, that's just de- that's development. And development is, you know, a thing. And he seems like a guy who, I mean, he stepped up on the biggest stage, so he's not afraid of the moment. But yeah, he definitely, I think, made a statement there. He's like, hey, like I know the rest of these receivers are pretty good. I'm also very <laughs> Don't good. Don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. And, you know, fair enough. We won't, like, it's, like I said, PFF had him as their highest graded receiver not just on the Packers, of any receiver in the playoffs, which is pretty awesome. Uh, anything else you wanted to say on Dobbs, or should we move on down the list? We've got a lot of receivers to talk about. Uh, we can move down the list. I th- yeah, I think just meant shout out his, uh, I think, yards per catch in the playoffs is also um, stellar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but Jaden Reed is the next receiver that we have to talk about. Uh, he played in 18 games for the Packers this season. Over those games, he had 68 catches on 97 targets. And keep in mind, he was playing through a variety of like chest injury, ankle injury, and he only really missed one game. So shout out to him. Uh, but 68 receptions on 97 targets for 828 yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, once again, comparing to those same 96 receivers, a 70.1% completion percentage when targeted was 22nd amongst those 96. So, you know, upper quartile. That's great. Uh, 46 yards per game was 47th, 8.54 yards per target was 45th, so right around average. 1.95 yards per route run was 26th, so again, upper quartile of all those 96 receivers. 5.4 yards after catch per reception was 24th, that's great. 4.2% drop rate was 31st, um, that's, you know, that's good, that's solid, that's better than average. 0.314 EPA per target and then 48% success rate. And then tack on 128 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. Um, some other fun stats is he set the Packers rookie receptions record and he got one third place vote for offensive rookie of the year. Oh, I missed that. Um, yeah, I know I did as well. So he came in sixth. Um, he was awesome. Excellent with the ball in his hands. He won me a fantasy championship. So I'll always be thankful to him for that. But yeah, uh, he did not have as impactful of a playoffs maybe as we might've hoped, but he had an awesome regular season and he, I think for so long we were looking for a guy who would be dynamic with the ball in his hands. And I think we have that with Jaden Reed. Yeah, I think we got a guy who can really live in the middle of the field, slants, quick hitters, and then run the ball with speed. It's like the last time we had a guy this dynamic was like prime Randall Cobb like eight years ago, like not eight, nine something years like ago. That. Something yeah. like that was the last time we had a guy that felt this twitched up both like with the ball in his hands and then with the speed across the middle of the field, running these big crossers. Like, I mean, it felt like almost every game there was like, it was just him running free over the middle, like across the field with the guy trailing behind him, trying to keep up. Like it is faster than you timed. I I'm going to give a credit to the Packers scouts timers. Cause they were like, Oh, we clocked him at a four, three. And usually when the Packers say that, I'm like, yeah, right, buddy, you're lying. But this time I actually might believe it. It was like, yeah, just because you're slow uh, hitting the start switch. And so it seemed he was done yeah, was soon. Like, oh. Doesn't mean he's really um, almost, what, uh, 0.08 faster yeah, than the say, like, official a time? tenth of a second faster. It's like, mm, I'm skeptical. But, hey, for this one, I believe it. I mean, Dad, I think, you know, when they picked Jaden Reed in the second round, he had a kind of a quiet mini camp and training camp. We were like, oh, like, that's like, I was like, I hope, I hope he can put it together. And then he put it together in this season for sure. Yeah, and he was a guy who was not on my radar leading up to last year's draft. We thought he was going to be too small. I we didn't were think like he was going to right, fit their profile, and so I kind of didn't pay enough attention to him. And and it's like, whoa, they picked him in the second round. 
and I, yeah. it was, which is also higher than I was expecting for him to go. No, and, and it was worth it. It was a hundred percent worth it. I mean, are there that many receivers that are better than him out of that class? I mean, I'd argue he was better than most of the receivers in that class. Like, he, if you redrafted the class today, he'd probably go first round. And I'm not, I'm not going to take that back at all. I don't think that's even that hot of a take. Um, but yeah, uh, anything else you got on Reed? I mean, the main thing I have to say is. You know, you love to see those high yards per route run numbers and yards after catch per reception. That's like exactly the role that you want. The fact that they have a guy to give these designed like like end arounds to who can actually make a move with the ball in his hands. I don't need to see, no offense, I don't need to see Alan Lazard or Geronimo Allison trying to take an end around at a 4.6 yard 40 dash and just inability to turn the corner at all like just driving me crazy and even watching christian watson do it i mean christian watson when he was able to get up to speed was great at it but the problem is he's not really making a guy miss like at like not full speed so it, the fact they see, have a guy for those design touches i feel like we haven't had a guy for those design touches since like tyler irvin like we, right, we, have, we haven't had anybody for the tyler irvin role since tyler irvin i know right until until now yeah and and, and reed is great at it yeah, and the, see, I feel like he has a speed to get around the corner in the end, but also the ability to cut inside and like go inside a, yes. the tight end block or the tackle block as well, and 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 hit those rush lanes. And despite being small, he's not he's not easy to tackle. Like he'll he'll drive yeah. his legs and he'll get a few extra yards. Um, but Dad, and, oh sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, he's, and he's tough too. As you mentioned, it's like playing with injuries. Oh yeah, as 100%. well. Um, but Dontavian Wicks is the next receiver for the Packers. He played in 17 games for the Packers this season. Over those games, he had 41 catches on 61 targets for 605 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, once again, looking at 96 receivers to compare him against. 67.2% completion percentage when targeted was 37th. 35.6 yards per game was 65th amongst them. 9.9 yards per target was 16th. Um, 1.94 yards per route run was 27th. Uh, 5.3 yards after catch per reception was 25th and a 4.7% drop rate was 35th. 0.501 EPA per target was the highest on the entire team. And then a 59.7% success rate is really good. Um, the one that really stands out there is that 9.9 yards per target. That's pretty fun. Big fan of that. Big fan of almost getting a first down every single time you throw it to every a guy. Single time that's, you get th- yeah. That's a big thumbs away. up for me. Um, some other fun stats. He had the highest receiving DVOA by a receiver since 20 by a rookie receiver since 2020. That's per at Devi Yusuf on Twitter. So that's higher than Jefferson or Chase as rookies. And then per Arjun Manan on Twitter, he had the highest rate of getting open versus man coverage of all receivers in the NFL this season, include like not just rookies of all receivers. He had the highest like open, like separation rate against man coverage. So yeah, there's a guy that I was like, is this the, best receiver on the team like when i was watching i was like this guy is they can't guard him like at all um but yeah he was open isn't that's a useful skill so so isn't it crazy he went in the fifth round is it crazy that he went in the fifth round or that the packers took sean clifford before they took him (laughs) (laughs) like that's kind of wild i I, no hate to sean clifford but like damn then if any see i think what we're finding out is the real dontavian wicks was the was guy two from years, college guy from two, two years, years ago, ago not exactly. last year's Dontavian Wicks. And we talked about that as like this, we talked about when we talked about the draft recaps, like this is a bet that the guy who, the guy that is actually Dontavian Wicks in the NFL was the guy from two years ago and this past year was an aberration. And it looks like yeah. they were 100% right. And that guy from two years ago would have been like 
an end of first round. I receiver. don't. I think he would have probably been end of second. He would have been end of second. I was pick. thinking he would have been like a day two pick. I think yeah, coming out of Virginia. I think I think I'm, I'm going to go early second. I mean, now I'm looking at redrafts of the 2023 <laughs> draft. I'm I'm looking at him go like 16, 17, 18th, and it's. I mean. He's, he's really good. He's really, really good. I, I don't have really much else to say. His route it's running ability is crazy already, to say, and I, people might go bonkers. You're going to say, say Devontae Adams. Adams. Don't say Devontae yes, Adams. Say Devontae don't, Adams. Okay. <laughs> don't put that on him. That's a lot of pressure. But that's the it's thing. It's not like, pressure because he's not going to hear what I say. That's fair. That's fair. Hey, you never know. You never know. You might. Um, don't be like, uh, what's it? Ayo Edabiri. Uh, you know who that is? The the woman from the, the bear. Um she was on a podcast saying that uh, she didn't think JLo was like a very good singer. And then she ended up having to host SNL with JLo as the musical guest. <laughs> and so she was like, so just so you know, and she like addressed it like on her model. Like, just so you know, things you say on podcasts are never gone. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the route running, his ability with the ball in his hands is very impressive. I feel like he's always open somehow. Um but yeah, his ability to set up the defensive back and then change direction when they're not ready for it is, yeah. is I think is already really, and really good. I forgot to mention this for Reed, but they kick ass as blockers too. Like they will like punch you in the mouth in the run game. And which is what you love to see like that. And that's what Matt, I know. Matt LaFleur is like, yes, he's pounding the table. He's like, get that guy on the field. Uh, anything else you wanted to say on Wicks? I mean, I, I had, I thought those stats were fun. I think the yards per route run or sorry yards per target is a really awesome stat to be already like around top fifth top 15 in the league there as a rookie is pretty sick um those numbers are pff again um but yeah anything else you wanted to add on wicks is he the number one receiver next year that's a very interesting thing to think about because of his ability to just get open every time yeah it's probably the most important skill a receiver can have right like right i don't know um but yeah uh, nothing else on Wicks, then I'm just going to go on to Bo Melton, uh, who played in seven games for the Packers this season. I'm going to start having a little less for each of these guys as we get down to the depth chart. Overall, 18 catches on 26 targets for 244 yards and two touchdowns. Um, since he had less than the threshold we were previously looking at, I'm now comparing him to the 122 receivers that had at least 26 targets like him. Uh, 69.2% completion percentage when targeted was 33rd. 34.9 yards per game was 68th. 9.38 yards per target was 34th. 2.68 yards per route run was 6th in the league. That's not bad. Um, 2.1 yards after catch per reception was like 117th, so he didn't do much with the ball in his hands. Not as much as I expected. 5.3% drop rate was 56th, so around average. 0.397 EPA per target and a 59.3% success rate are very solid. Um, if you look at only regular season, he was 6th in the whole league in yards per route run, uh, which is, you know, really fun uh like i just mentioned um and then after he started getting snaps in week 15 this is a stat that you threw to me through the playoffs so week 15 through the playoffs he was eighth in the league in passer rating when targeted and 10th in yards per route run so he is a guy who kind of came out of nowhere huh i remember all the tweets who the hell is bo melton and this was a guy that you were high on last season when they signed him off the seahawks practice squad was it off the seahawks practice squad because he was one of the is very fast. He meets their thresholds. And from that draft, I think it was like, you know, you might need to go to like um, Jacob Westendorf and Ross Uglum and Jacob, Orland. I forget which one of those guys, but maybe the Packer uh, draft guide. He was one of the, the, the Packers were like three of the four or five wide receivers that meet all their thresholds with Bo Melton, Dobbs and Watson from that draft. Yeah. 
and I mean, the thresholds seem to be working. Whatever those thresholds are, they're they're and looking so, pretty good. What's he got his opportunity? He, he's I mean, doing something with, it. and and he's he's doing a little bit more in terms of I feel like wide receiver skill than I necessarily expected. I thought he had, his, yeah, that he's just going to be kind of a, an athletic guy, but. He's showing a lot more ability to uh, to, to to know the position. And, and I mean, I joked that versus Minnesota, he just had like the invisibility cloak on because they just kept losing him. But he, I think, showed a lot more than that. I mean, he had the touchdown catch against San Francisco in the playoffs. Uh, he had a very good games, like you know, after that Minnesota game as well. It was not like a one hit wonder. He had a good games against Chicago in Week 18. He's just he's just a good player. He's a good receiver. Um, but Dad, I don't want to spend too much time on these guys because we do still have the offensive line and. We're already at a pretty decent time. Um, but I'm going to go on to Malik Heath really quick, um, unless there's anything else you want to add on Bo Melton. No, you, let's, let's, let's move on. Uh, Malik Heath played in 13 games for the Packers this season, 15 catches on 24 targets for 125 yards and a touchdown, looking at 128 targets with at least uh, 128 receivers with at least 24 targets, 62.5% completion percentage when targeted was like 78th, 9.6 yards per game was like 124th. Most of these are down in the hundredths, uh, 5.2 yards per target, 1.07 yards per route run is 93rd. It's not great. Oh, the yards per target was 119th. 2.4 yards after catch per reception, 116th. 11.8% drop rate was a lot higher than I realized. That's 112th. I didn't realize he had that many drops on the year. Ooh, but, yeah. uh, but still, 0.198 EPA per target and 45.8% success rate. And a really good blocker, uh, really physical. I know they liked his attitude out there. And I feel like he's a very, very, very respectable fifth, sixth receiver. Like, he, he, was, he was very solid this year. And then the last receiver I had was Samori Toure. Um, he did not have a very good year is all I'm going to say. He played in 11 games, eight catches on 18 targets for 78 yards. Um, also an 11.1% drop rate, a negative 0.133 EPA per target was the only one in the negatives on the team. Um, yeah, most of his metrics, I'm not even going to read them off. We're around like 140th or lower um, amongst 150 receivers. So not great for Toure. Dad, any last notes on Heath or Toure, or do you want to move on to the offensive line? I would just say that I think they really like, as you mentioned, Heath's blocking ability to take over that part of uh, Alan Lazard's role. And I feel like Torre, it just he just kept falling further and further down the depth chart as the year went on and kept getting passed by more and more guys. Definitely, definitely. Um, but, Dad, offensive line. Let's move on to that, and that will kind of be it for the 2023 season in terms of reviewing the offense. All right, so let's look at the offensive line. As a whole, they were, in terms of cash spending for the year, 27th in the league, but 12th in salary cap allocation because of um, dead, not dead cap, but kind of carryover for uh, previous years for Bakhtiari. Overall, as a group, by, by ESPN's pass block win rate, they were second in the league, only to Kansas City. And... In run block win rate, they were 16th, so kind of right in the middle of the pack and with no players in the top 10 in run block win rate by, by ESPN. PFF graded them as their 10th best in, um, team in pass blocking and 24th in run blocking. And and that's something I think they actually, in the beginning of the year, like the first half, they were lower. They were near the bottom in run block in, in run blocking. They kind of crept up their rankings a little bit anyway from like mm-hmm. you know 30 up to 24 as the season went on. Looking at DVOA, so adjusted for um, strength of schedule from FTN Fantasy, they had the fifth best adjusted um, sack rate against and the eighth best adjusted line yards. 
um, in the run game. So that mm-hmm. surprised me. That's higher than I think. That's, that's a lot higher than I would think. A lot higher than I think. That's something that you typically, um, that's assigned to the, the offensive line rather than the running backs. Now, they were, however, according to FTN Fantasy, the, the weakest part of their run blocking was power success, where they were 23rd in the league. Power success is what, when you have two yards or less to go on third down, fourth down, or any goal-to-go situations. That tracks. So, th- so if it seems like they can never quite get that first down on short yard situation or punch in the end zone, it's because they wrong. haven't. But yeah, I was going to say, if you feel that way, it's because they haven't. And it's kind of something that they've always been bad at. And it's the reason they drafted Dylan. And I think it's really the reason that they need to invest more in offensive line because they're really awesome at finding these pass blocking offensive linemen late in the game, in the, the draft. And that's like a super, like, that's kind of the Packers superpower. The past like decade is finding these offensive linemen for like nothing that are great. They did it with Zach Tom. They did it with like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, but a lot Zach of these Tom, guys. Rounder, Bakhtiari, fourth rounder. Um, Runyon, a, a, a long time starter, sixth rounder. Walker's looking like, you know, a, a solid player, player seventh rounder. Seventh but rounder. All these guys are like more finesse players and they don't get any drive. So I feel like they might need to invest a little more in offensive line so they can actually run the ball consistently when they need to. But anyway, Dad, that's, sorry to interject there. Should we? Are we getting yeah, to the players? So, so that was the big picture, and now let's get to the players. So I'll start with the guy who played the most snaps at left tackle, Rashid Walker. Um, he finished by second in the league amongst all tackles by ESPN's pass block win rate, behind only Trent Williams. That's crazy to me. Isn't that crazy? I'm I find not hard so to sure believe. about that. Because the way I feel about Walker is like, I, if he was our swing tackle, I'd be like, yes, that's awesome. He is a great swing tackle. But when I'm thinking about him at left tackle, I'm like, he's solid. He's pretty good. And I don't know if that's where you want to be at left tackle. But anyway, continue. Yeah. So the this is a this is a case where different sources of um, offensive line play measurements are not in agreement. So per PFF, he gave up a 3.9% pressure rate, which was seventh just within the Packers offensive line group and 46th in the league amongst offensive tackles. Mm -hmm. Though his overall pass blocking grade was better than that. um, 74.7, which was third of the team just behind Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Now for run blocking, he was slightly below average. Um, with a grade of well, 57th of the league. And he had similar grades in run blocking, whether it was a zone scheme or a, or a gap scheme. Yeah. I think that's the big thing with him is, you know, he seems like a pretty solid pass protector, but the run blocking, I felt like, I mean, I'm, I was on team, like let's try Nyman there. And that was obviously not a good decision or a good idea. That's why I don't get paid money for this. Um, but that's just kind of how I felt about it. And, you know, it, the stats kind of match up that he's like a pretty good pass protector, but the run game deserves maybe desires. I mean, here's the thing. He's a seventh round pick in his second year. He played way better than he had any right to play. Like that's, I'm going to, let's have reasonable expectations for him, but I do still think that it's a spot where they could upgrade is all I'm going to say. It seems like it though. Yeah. If, not if you believe ESPN. I know, right. They apparently really love Rashid Walker and then moving down the line. Uh, I mean, I guess we think that we have the best, like ESPN probably has is like the best left side of the line in the entire league. I'm guessing. 
Yeah, so so Elton at left guard. Um, so Walker played just under a thousand snaps. Elton played just over a thousand snaps. He finished um fifteenth amongst all interior offensive linemen in ESPN's pass block win rate, which put him at eighth among all guards, which puts him in like the top eighth of all start like starting guards. You think they're like sixty four starting guards in the league that put him in like the you know the, the top twelve percent. He was second on the team and amongst the Packers offensive linemen in PFF pass blocking grade, sixth in the league amongst guards, and only gave up 2.4% pressure rate, which was 19th amongst um, guards in the whole whole NFL. He was, however, only 53rd in the league amongst guards in run blocking by PFF, with similar grades, you know, slightly below average in zone and gap schemes. Yeah. So we have a theme here where it's a big difference between the run blocking and the pass blocking on the individual players, just as it was for the uh, unit as a whole. Yeah, and he's someone where I think they they need more out of him because they're paying him a good amount of money now as a starting guard. He's one of the highest paid guards in the league. And he also, unfortunately, picked his picked about the worst time to have his worst game of the year against the Niners. I mean, he gave up four pressures in that game. He got beat by Hargrave relentlessly. Uh, it, it, was a tough, it was a tough game for him in that one. Um, he had a rough game in that one. Yeah, he gave up gave up four pressures, like I said, and they need him to run block better because he's supposed to pretty much be their best run blocker by a lot. Uh, and I get that it's harder when you don't have very good run blockers next to you, uh, but I think they're they're going to need a little more from him next year. I think, w- wouldn't you say? Yeah, they need to get they need him to be elite. They need him to be because like he's an getting pro paid. I think left, he's like the like, yeah the fourth highest paid guard in the league, and so yeah. I think he they need him to perform like the fourth best. The top yeah. five guard in the league. So I would say, you know, looking at it, like in terms of expectations, I would say Walker exceeded expectations, even though I think Jenkins played better than him. I would say Jenkins was a little worse than expectations. Um, and I know it's hard when, you know, you have a different left tackle next to you than you practice all off season with. And, you know, center's not great that we'll talk about in a second, but I think they do need him to play to the level, like a higher level than the other players because there's more expectations on him. He's been in the league longer. Um, but speaking of center, Josh Myers, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so he, he had the most snaps of anybody on the offensive line, like over 1,200. Um, he was 14th amongst the ESPN pass block win rate interior offensive lineman, which put him eighth amongst centers, which you know, puts him about in the top 25, top quarter of the league. Yeah. Um, he w- It's another one where they don't quite match up, where PFF has him as a below average pass blocker, a slightly below average grade. Um, but he only gave up a 2.4% pressure rate, which is 19th amongst the, this one so, tracks for me though, because I think average. the problem with Myers is he'll win 80% of the time, but the losses are so bad, like instantaneous 0.5 second pressure. Like you have been walked, like you are, you were a ghost. You did not touch the defensive lineman. I think like when he gives up a pressure, he's just getting smoked. It's, it's, Fast. It's like instantaneous and it happens in the run game too is the problem. He just misses the guy. And I think that's the reason that like his rate, like stats look pretty good, but when he's losing, it's really bad. Yeah. Really dis- disruptive to the offense. And his, his run blocking is a little bit below average as well. This one, one of the kind of the same, and this is kind of the, though, I guess he had one good pass blocking year. Um, Mm-hmm. But mostly this is who he's been, where slightly yeah. below average center in yeah. the league. Which is, you know, it's another spot where, 
I think this this is the spot that's like this needs the is the second most in need of improvement on the line. I think left tackle is third most need of improvement, and we'll get to the next one in a second. But for Myers, I mean, it's just you know they picked him in the second round. They picked him. I know people don't like to hear this, but they picked him a pick before you know an All Pro level center for who everyone had as the number one center on the board, and so there's going to be higher expectations and more criticism with that coming. And he's been you know an average to slightly below average center for three years in the league, and. They, I think it's just a spot they need to look at with him going into the last year of his deal. That's right. It's the other thing to consider. He's only going to have one more year left on his, yeah. rookie, on his rookie but, contract. But in terms of like his performance this year, I thought he got like slightly better as the year went, at least. Like that, he had that going for him, at least. Um, but after a little part, bit of a rough, rough patch, he ended well in the last three games of the year, especially pass blocking. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing and knock on wood, obviously, but we talked about all, you know, training camp and mini camp. I don't know if you remember these during the practices, like, and another botch snap and another botch snap and another botch snap, but they did not actually have that many issues with the entire, no, you know, thankfully, but yeah, it was like a couple of those every day in exactly. training camp, which is, which was, you know, like wild. Um, but so at least there wasn't that. So I would say, you know, I would give him like, below average for what they invested in, but about what I expected in terms of like what we've seen through two years. Um, but right guard is where I think this is going to be the place that they need to find a new starter at. Yeah. So John Runyon um, led the team in snaps at right guard with a, just over a thousand. He finished 15th amongst interior offensive linemen in pass block win rate. So it's interesting. They had like amongst the interior pass block, um, interior offensive line, ESPN's pass block win rate, they had the 14th, 15th, and 16th best rated players hmm. in the league on their team. <laughs> well, it's if you include like it's more like 90 players for starters. That's true. That's fair. Fair. So because you got the two I mean, guards ESPN, and, and the center. ESPN really loves us. What can we say? So that puts him in. He basically, by their metric, was about the same as Elton, being like a top eighth, like top 12% of mm-hmm. the starting guards. He only gave up a 2.1% pressure rate, which was best of the team, second best of the team behind Bakhtiari and 10th in the league amongst guards. But all of that only got him the fifth best pass blocking grade on the team. And his pass blocking grade overall was 33rd in the league, according to PFF amongst guards. Mm-hmm. So even though his pressure rate was 10th best, his overall pass blocking grade was 30 was 33rd. And then when it came to run blocking, he was 63rd in the league amongst guards. Um, yeah. That, PFF. that feels about right. And, uh, you know, and particularly, so below average in all measures, especially in gap schemes where he was a grade of only 45, which is well below the Mendoza line. Yeah. And Runyon's a guy where it's like, he was just, it was weird because he was so much better the previous three years. And then this year he was just, he was pretty. He was so bad that they were rotating snaps at right guard through, like through the playoffs. They were rotating guys at right guard, and like it was kind of shocking to be honest. Because I mean, he he got. I think he closed the season pretty well, if I remember correctly. But the run blocking has always been not great from him. But even the pass blocking was just kind of eh. And you know, he was he's a guy who I think someone is going to bring in. He's a free agent this year. Someone's going to bring in, and he's going to be a very serviceable guard for them. But for some reason this year, he just he's had a down year. 
Yeah, this was uh, the worst pass blocking grade of his since his rookie year. Um, he'd had um, second and third years were much better, but so that was a bit of a downturn for him this year. And so we'll see. And his contract is up now, mm-hmm. exactly. As well, um, but on so to moving John, on to Zach Thomas at right tackle. Right. So he finished 16th among amongst tackles in pass block win rate. Um, and PFF had him as the 18th best tackle in the league in terms of pressure rate at only 2.9%. Sixth best in the league in PFF's run blocking grades. So it's like the first player in the offensive line we've seen a good run blocking grade for. Mm-hmm. Um, and a significantly better zone blocking grade than gap scheme at 80 kind of makes sense he's you know he put on some weight this year he looked noticeably stronger um but he is more of like a movement guy yeah he's he's a a, um good agility um fast mover kind of dancing bear kind of player yeah but he's not even quite a dancing bear he's not quite big enough to be a dancing bear (laughs) in my opinion he's he's like a we de- he definitely looked stronger this year, I will say. Remember when he came to better. training camp, we were like, oh, he looks bigger. Smaller than Mercedes Lewis. I remember, but no, oh, I thought he meant his first training camp, yes. Oh, oh no, no, I mean yeah, second this, training camp. You could tell this he looked year, bigger. This year, it's like, the- yeah, no, he looks he looks sturdier, much sturdier this year. Um, Yeah, a lot sturdier. No, but he, I think and he so was I think their we're best. Set at he was their right best tackle. Oh, yeah. I mean, unless my, they move him to left tackle. I was going to say, here's my question, unless they move him to left tackle. Um, But no, I think he is was easily their best lineman this year by leaps and bounds, in my opinion. I know some of the numbers favor Elton, but I thought Tom was much better this year. I thought Tom was awesome all year, just kicked ass. I mean, pretty much the only time... You could tell how much a difference it made when he had to go out with that concussion. Yeah, they couldn't couldn't run the ball anymore at all. As soon as Tom went out, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't block Boson. They couldn't run the ball. And and yeah, no, it it sucked that he had to go out in that game because I think they... I I saw the play too. He fell in the back of his head and... And immediately started yeah. holding his holding his face. Yeah, Ugh, guess that sucks. Um, but no, yeah, Tom was Tom was awesome this year. Um, who you got next? You got Sean Ryan next. So Sean Ryan, so the, the other half of that uh, split at right guard, he he got a lot fewer snaps, only about a quarter of the snaps that uh, Runyon had. His pass blocking grade was only forty two by PFF, last on the team, and eighty sixth out of ninety nine guards in the league. Not great, Bob. And his pressure rate is 3.3%, which is 57th out of the 99. Um, guards had a similar um, snap count. And his run ga- grade of 50 was, you know, was better in gap runs than zone runs, but with, you know, not as many snaps. Yeah. So, and his run blocking grade overall was 73rd out of 102. That's um, worse than I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to be average um, before we started doing this research. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, Sean Ryan, like when they put him in there, like he was solid. He was like a little better than Runyon. No, I don't. That's not what the numbers are telling us. The numbers Too are many misses. Us you can see bad. like there, there are times where he's still making he's got slow misses feet. in the play. He's got slow feet. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Um, if he gets his hands on somebody, he does okay. He's strong. He's strong, but he's got slow feet. Um, and the problem is like he's probably the right guard next year unless they bring someone in i think they want him to be the right guard because otherwise why give him the snaps uh but i uh don't know about that one (laughs) um yes but yeah so there's a i mean there's a reason they were trying to play royce newman over him uh but he's not very good either (laughs) so nope the so yeah they need new they need more depth on the offensive line going forward for sure 
Um, but Josh Nyman, you got next. I, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say on Sean Ryan. I mean, he no, that was all for Ryan. He uh, did more this year than he did. His, he was better this year than his rookie year. It was so hard to do any it was less. Almost impossible it was hard to, do to less. contribute. It was actually impossible to contribute any less than he did his rookie year. And he did to his credit. He looked better this year. Like he looked, he was he was playable at least. He wasn't like yes. completely unplayable. Um, but he is still not. Ter- he's not close to being a plus starter yet, um, which I think they were maybe hoping he could be um, when they took him in the third round. Uh, but Yash Nyman, you had next, it looks like. Yeah, so he played about a quarter of the snaps at left tackle. Um, his pass blocking grade was 67th out of 93 tackles with a similar number of snaps with 150 pass um, blocking snaps, which is what he had, 157. And his pressure rate, of 5%, just tied for last on the team, and 68th out of 93 um, tackles in the league. I don't know what happened to this guy. Because remember when Stenovich so called him... this year than the year before. Remember when Stenovich called him out, too? Yeah. Early in, in the year, he said pretty much to the media, is like, yeah, no, he's uh, he's not he's not doing enough. Like, he doesn't seem like he wants it, pretty much. was like kind of the gist of it. I was like, damn. It was uh, really... That's... Harsh it the, criticism. It was so harsh that Matt LaFleur came the next day and apologized. He was like, yeah, no, we, we're trying to build everyone up, but we're trying to, you know, drive them to be better. And, uh, you know, um, we we really love Yash. And I was like, uh, damage control, <laughs> not great. <laughs> nope. That was, yeah, that was one of the harshest criticisms I've ever that heard. ever hear. That you will ever hear from a coach publicly for a player. And Stenovich doesn't even talk that much. Like, he speaks in, like, like eight-word sentences. Yeah, so then and then his run blocking grade was kind of meh. But, you know, I guess a little less than meh. 89th out of 104 offensive yeah. tackles in yeah. his uh run blocking grade. And then it's we get to like Royce every time and it's I know it's difficult to be in a tackle rotation. Like that can't be easy to just be like cold coming off the bench like, "Oh, you're going to play tackle this series." You're like, "Okay, I'm 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 ready, I guess." And but you have no idea of what the pass rushers have been doing. You have no idea like it's not probably you not easy to get a rhythm. It, yeah. Whatever that situation was for him did not work for him. It was not good for him. And even when he was the starter, it was not good for him. So. Yeah. He basically lost the, lost the competition to uh, Rashid yeah. Walker. And, and you know, fairly Walker was pretty good this year. Like it wasn't great, but he was, he, he is like the third or fourth, like the, probably the third. The thing is like Tom and Elton have spots locked down. And if you told me I could only replace two spots out of the next three, I'm replacing center and right guard, and I'm letting Walker, you know, roll at left tackle. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Nyman, you know, he's a free agent this year. Someone will probably pay him, and we'll see. But especially a little disappointing considering the fact that he was on, like, a $4 million tender. Um, so he was, like, a decently paid tackle, like, much higher paid than most of the rest of the guys on the line. So it, it is it's what it true. is, though. He was the, the third highest played highest paid player on the O-line behind yeah. Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Exactly. And it's the second highest paid of the guys who were, uh, were healthy. So, and he's, and he still couldn't crack the rotation. So that, yeah, it's a little disappointing. Um, who you got next on the list? So Royce Newman. Um, yeah, he played left guard. He, he didn't play any right guard. He yeah. only came in a left guard. I guess when Elton was, was hurt or was just decided that time to send somebody else in at the end of the game. But his pass blocking rate was only 52.2, 69th out of 99 guards in the league. Um, oh, and, and one thing I also forgot to add. Also, pressure rate of 5%. Go ahead. 
One thing I forgot to add on Elton is he did hurt his knee, you know, against Atlanta early in the season. So that is like at least some context to his play, maybe being a little below average. I, for, I forgot about that. And then I remembered it as you were saying, Newman played some left guard. And I was like, that's right. Uh, Elton got his knee fallen into it in that Atlanta game. And then he came back pretty quickly from it. But um, he did I do come want back, to yeah, maybe a little bit of context. Yeah, and then they, I guess they really had that struggle against uh, Detroit, the first Detroit game. Yeah. So maybe that bothered him uh, more of the year than we knew. Maybe, maybe. I just wanted to add that as context. But anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, and uh, and Newman was, was bad at run blocking yeah. as well. Newman's Newman's not great. That's the spot they can improve as backup guard. Um, sure. Then I want to actually talk about Bakhtiari. Who took okay. up more salary cap than the rest of the offensive line combined? Yeah, got fifty-five snaps, thirty um, all in week one. However, he had an elite I know. pass blocking grade by PFF. Eighty-nine yeah. point. Gave up zero pressures on those on thirty pass blocking snaps. The issue is not he the had performance. This, he had the second best run blocking grade behind um, Zach Tom of all the O linemen on the team. It helps. And him among all the tackles players. in the league, he had the best pass blocking grade. And the best pass blocking grade in true pass sets by PFF. Once I know. All, all time. I know. He, the issue is not performance. He's still great when he yeah. plays. He's but awesome when that, he plays. And I, I will say, he's playing the Bears who had no pass rushers, like, at <laughs> all true. in that he game. Was having the best fun pass rusher was Yannick Ngakwe. Like, he was having fun with the, with the Bears fans during that game. We'll, no, he we'll was. Say. And I, I, I love Bakhtiari, but, like, it's just – it's really tough because, yeah. like so you then, said – Go ahead. So then after that game, his knee flared up and he got another surgery ending his season when tests uncovered a cartilage issue in his knee that they hadn't noticed before. And what he said at the time was that they finally know what the problem is, which I want to know how the hell they didn't before. It's been years. I think these things are. Maybe not, not everybody has I'm the not, ability to I'm see I'm not talking about here. I'm like talking about the health, like his, his health care team. Like, I know you're talking about the, uh, find this. that uh, being able to read the MRI and see amongst all of everything else that's going on, what the actual underlying problem is. Yeah. And but but sometimes there's also, a cascade of problems. We've also heard like that, like we have we heard this the problem before. Like, yes, this is like, what so is we'll see. seventh? It, it looks, in, it's bad. And then oh. turn to the future. He re- in, a, in December, he resp- responded to a tweet that it's his plan to play for Green Bay next year. And then when Gutekunst happens, he said, well, he still has a long way to go and we don't know what's going on. And I think yeah. most people are not expecting him back, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. And the other linemen on the team, Caleb Jones, Luke Tenuta, Kadeem Telfort, none of them got any snaps on offense. Yeah, they Those were there. Tenuta was hurt the whole year. Um, the yeah, they, they, they held on to him to try to, to – and, and they did the – Keep him on the active roster and yeah, then, then put him on, put IR, him on so IR, so they could get him back at the end of the year. But then that never materialized. Um, right, it never happened. Mm-hmm. Well, that that kind of wraps it up for the offensive line and wraps it up for our position review. Last thing we have to do is um, what's going next. So, outgoing players, uh, unrestricted free agents. Who are players that were, you know, are unrestricted might end up leaving this offseason? We talked about a few of them, right? Yeah. So the unrestricted free agents are Josh Nyman. John Runyon, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, and Tyler Davis. Yeah, and I think if I had to rank which ones I thought would be back in order, number one would be Tyler Davis, number two would be Dillon, number three would be Runyon, number four would be DeGuara, and number five would be Nyman, I think is how I would rank them. 
Yeah, I suppose you could put Deguara above Diamond just because Diamond might get significantly more someone money will pay elsewhere. Somebody yeah. will pay him more as a guy who has shown the ability to be a a, a solid tackle, a, which a solid is, starter. is rare in the NFL right now. There are yeah. not that many of those. So there's a there's a chance that he'll get more money than the Packers would want to pay somebody to be a backup. Yeah. Well, but if Deguara, I had to. Is not looking not, like he's going to get much yeah. of a contract after this year. He's gotten worse. But if I had to bet, I think the only like I think Dylan maybe if he takes a like team like if, if he doesn't end up making much money. Um, yeah, and according to, to Spot Track, they have his market value at only three point five million per year. Which if it's like that, a, and they don't if feel it's great that about, low, then I could see them bringing maybe. It back. But I think there's like. I, and I, I was more confident in this before we did our research. And then I was looking, I was like, man, Dylan was worse than I thought he was. Um, and it was by far the worst year of his career. And each year he's gotten worse in most metrics, which is not great. Um, but I think the only one that I really see back is Davis. And even yeah, I think because like, uh, nobody else is going to sign him and they like him on special teams. I mean, he's, he's yeah. going to be back more for special teams rather than a tight end. Exactly. And then the other guys, you know, the writing's on the wall for Runyon also because they're, we're already rotating him. And that's never a great sign. Uh, and yeah, and then we already talked about Nyman and Deguara. Um, but yeah, I would, I would be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if none of them are back. Um, restricted free agents, who we got? The only one is Patrick Taylor. The Packers have kind of held him, uh, kept him around for a few years now, and they actually let him go at one point, and then brought him back with injuries. But I think they're going to be drafting one or more running backs, and so I'd be surprised if Taylor. Or would be on the 53 this year. And I don't know if he wants to spend another year on the Packers practice squad. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like other teams are interested in him, but um, yeah, I think, I don't think they're going to, they might, I don't think they're going to necessarily feel like they need him back, especially because the fact they didn't really give him many opportunities. Like they didn't seem to have any interest in playing him really as a traditional running back at all. They're like, no, nah, we're not giving that guy carries. Let's bring in Kenyon Drake and James Robinson. We're both frankly, very washed. Like they're, they did not have much juice left in their legs. And no, thought, they didn't keep either one around for very long either. And they still didn't want to give Patrick Taylor touches. So that's crazy to me. Um, exclusive rights, free agents looks like it's Bo Melton, Caleb Jones and Emmanuel Wilson. I think those guys are all a hundred percent back next year. There is no reason for a team not to sign all of their exclusive rights, free agents, because it's a minimum salary. It doesn't, it has no, no impact on the cap salary cap. Yep. And and, and, like, and all three of those players just, are just, good. and all three of those players are pretty good. Like, yeah, there's a good chance for all of them, and it's it kind of sucks for those players. Well, I was going to say exclusive rights free agency sucks. Like that it is, is it is a one way street, all in favor of the teams and the the players have get nothing. Very, they just have, there's nothing you can do about it. They can't if, if you don't get drafted and you go through the you go through this like whatever three, four year period of getting the minimum salary before you can even get a chance at a, co- a good contract app. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we don't need to waste much time with the exclusive rights for agents cut candidates. Dad, it looks like you got two here for us. Well, you know, the big one that everybody's talking about Bakhtiari. is Bakhtiari. Yeah. So he's in the last year of his contract. He's due to have a cap hit of 40 million, but half of that has already been paid. So that's counting on the cap, no matter what you do. Um, bring, so bringing him back, so you just forget the whole, forget that forty million number because it's kind of meaningless. You'd save the 20 question is if you, twenty million to have him or not. You save twenty million by letting him go. 
I think um, if you, if however you cut him while he's mm-hmm. injured, it is a you know what storm mm-hmm. um, that they can't do with. They may have to pay all the money anyway if they if it gets yeah. up, if it a, goes into some kind of uh, it's messy um, arbitration about. So they now one thing they so we we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen with all that. One thing that they maybe could do, and I have to look at a little more detail to get some savings for this year. Is essentially just spread out that twenty that that next twenty million by void years. They mm-hmm. need to convert his salary to bonus because what he's owed next is salary, not bonus. Yeah, but they so can convert, convert some of that twenty million salary to bonus mm-hmm. and then add void years. Um, so oh. it maybe be like yeah ten million or five million, and then yeah. you have to pay the piper later. Yeah, but like you you would get a little lump of cash this next season. I think it all depends on how they view like 2024. Are, are they going for it in 2024 or are they going for 2025? Right. I guess we'll see. When do they want to have that money? Yeah, but I I do think like if you could cut him for 20 million, like let's say the the injury concern, like let's say he gets healthy and then you have the decision like you can cut him for 20 million. What would you do? I I I know what I would do. I think the 20 million is more valuable at this point. I know it's a cold, it's a cold business, but like, and I love Bakhtiari as a Packer and he's been an awesome player when he plays, but it's, you can't bet $20 million that he's going to play more. That's the thing is you're, you're, you're basically putting a bet down. Yeah. Um, $20 million of whether he'll play and it's hard to trade. Yeah, no, very hard. And maybe you can sucker the jets into it, but (laughs) no one else is is going to trade for the jets. That's that's, they might. They actually, they actually might. You think is their offensive line is really bad. Is really bad. They need it's really they bad. Need, they need desperately to improve it, which is like why they weren't drafting. But the thing is, when you're talking about like, okay, how can we sucker a team? Like that almost never happens. So, um, but I do think they and they. I think it would require up- like some kind of restructure and then trade them for like a seventh rounder. Yeah, and the lack of like commitment from Gudikins to like. Like, cause he was, uh, he was pretty committal to like, yeah, we want Aaron Jones back. And then they asked him about Bakhtiari. And he's like, well, we're like, we're still looking we'll at see all- is pretty. He's got okay. a long way to go. Yeah. No, that was, uh, that was not a yes was- is what it was. Um, but anyway, no, who is the a other resounding? That was a, a resounding on yes. Yeah, exactly. And, but yeah, so I think, I think they probably move on from Bakhtiari, but it is a complete, you know, what storm and we'll be covering all of that throughout the off season. So keep listening. And then who is the other one? It looks like, uh, you got one so- more on here. I think it's this is not a salary cap. Uh, this um, is a casualty. Not good at football dump because I think it basically comes out to Roy Stuma is already entering the last year of his contract. His cap hit is small. There's barely over a million. So any replacing will have a cap hit that's similar. So you're not really going to save anything. So this is more about whether he can beat out other players for that spot on the roster. And ter- you know, mm-hmm. probably going to draft another couple of linemen, and then uh, how much development they get from. Like Caleb Jones and Luke Tenuta. Um Yeah. And uh, yeah, I totally could see it because it seems like he's been kind of passed by on the depth chart by a few players. Um but Dad, I guess let's wrap things up here. Uh how would you rank the needs on offense going into this next season? So I put interior offensive line first. Mm-hmm. Um I did as so well. That depends on what? I did as well. That was my number one as well. No, it depends a little bit on how much you trust Walker or Bakhtiari to play left tackle um, next year. I, I still think interior offensive line is number one. I, don't, I but go ahead. My number two is running back. See, I have I have like interior offensive line first and 
tackle second and running back third. In part because I feel like you can get a a good starter mm-hmm. in like the fourth round. Yeah, no. If you and- want to get a, a starting quality like center or guard or tackle, the Packers have kind of you know mostly been pretty good at that. Well, I'm, pretty I'm, good just at- looking, I'm not looking at the needs in terms of amount of capital to spend on. I'm just talking about like how much they need a what new, the roster looks like what the roster looks like and for me so for me it's interior offensive line because i think like if in 2024 like the tackles are walker and tom like we saw this year that's that's tenable um their improvements on the interior line like I, I don't think sean ryan for a whole season i don't know if that's tenable uh josh myers like's only got one year left on his deal i don't I, and i think that's a place where if you're looking to contend next year you need to make an improvement there so i got interior offensive line first i got running back second we saw this year jones you know was hurt for large stretches and the running game was non-existent it was a zero um so you need another running back in my opinion um and then third i got tackle because i do think you know walker is a good tackle he's, he's solid he's solid but you want better than solid at left tackle um and then I'm not even going to list tight end and receiver because I don't think there's even anywhere to play these guys if you drafted them. So I think the only thing I'd say for tight ends is if they want to get like a real back type, a, a real blocking tight end. Oh, okay. I think a fullback type if they wanted to. Um, I suppose I could that, be you know, maybe that could go in the running back group. Fair enough. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely think they need to draft um, an offensive line in the first or second round. Possibly, uh, I think. I think it depends on who's. It's always depends on who's there. It'll depend on who's there, right? Whether it makes value for the pick, though. Maybe if I guess we'll see who's there when they trade out of the spot. And you know, and they'll trade they, out the spot when there's somebody there that everybody wants. I think they like Myers a lot more than we do. Is the other thing. I think they really like Myers. I don't know why, but they really like Myers. It seems. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll see. But anyway, we'll be covering all of that the rest of this off season. Talking about the draft, we'll still be doing an episode a week. We're talking about free agency, the draft, et cetera, et cetera, everything else that comes up. Thank you so much for listening to our big offense pod. This is officially closing the book on 2023, 2024. So thank you for sticking with us for this season. We appreciate it so much. Like we said earlier, give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer if you like what you heard. Uh, and then subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We're in all those places. We appreciate you so much for listening. We're really excited to start talking about the draft. We'll be doing mock draft Mondays on our Twitter every single week. So keep an eye out for those. But yeah, thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.